This is episode 77 of Beyond the Bulletin. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Beyond the Bulletin. From the University of Waterloo, I'm Brandon Sweet, editor of the Daily Bulletin. And from Media Relations, I'm Pamela Smythe. On this podcast, we go beyond the pages and pixels of the Daily Bulletin to inform you about important news and views from our community. Coming up, my chat with Anna Marinka, a master's student in psychology, who will tell us about her winning entry in the Grad Flick Showcase. It's a competition where grad students submit short films to describe their thesis. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. So with Anna, I talked to her about virtual reality. You're a big gamer. Do you do a lot of virtual reality? Unfortunately, I haven't really gotten into the whole VR gaming thing. One time at Sobble Beach, they had a little virtual reality set up in the arcade where you could basically cook yourself dinner in a virtual kitchen, preparing kids for future jobs in the service industry through (laughs) virtual reality. (laughs) Living in the future, Pamela. What will they think of next? Uh, Science fiction author um, William Gibson famously said once that the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. So for some folks, we're living in the present. Your present might be someone else's past and someone else's present might be your future. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot to get my head around. So on that note. Yeah. (laughs) Here's what's been happening in the recent past, which should be the past for all of us. President Farhad Hamdalapur announced when in-person learning will resume for the courses that were previously suspended due to the Ontario government's stay-at-home order. If the province lifts the stay-at-home order for our region, these courses will resume after reading week on Monday, February 22nd, pending confirmation of the government's instructions. This buffer gives instructors time to prepare for the in-person learning that the recent lockdown suspended. It also allows time for some units to resume their work to support those who are on campus. When the stay-at-home order lifts, other campus activities will go back to the operational levels from before the winter break. Now, these immediate plans may need to change if the government extends the stay-at-home order or imposes other restrictions or provides new direction for post-secondary institutions. Unless your return-to-work plans say otherwise, please continue to work remotely. February is Black History Month. Last week, St. Paul's University College's Chancellor and former Governor General of Canada, Mikhail Jean, invited the community to find personal inspiration and courage from Black History Month. Jean writes, Black history is human history, inextricable from the story we all share, the story of our one and only race, the human race, its labors, and ultimate triumph. Noting that today's trying, turbulent times put the core of our humanity to the test, Jean offers that there is, and I quote, nourishment, courage, and fierce determination to be found in Black History Month, in the stories and examples of perseverance in the face of extreme adversity. You can read her full message in the Daily Bulletin from February 3rd. I've learned a lot about Black history just watching a show called Finding Your Roots on PBS. I love that show. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. It's really well done. I encourage everybody to check it out. So, speaking of February, if this chilly weather makes you want to curl up with a good read and a hot cup of tea, may we suggest a couple of recent Waterloo Magazine articles featuring uh, Waterloo alumni? Two in particular were popular with our Daily Bulletin readers this past week. The inside scoop on For All Ice Cream is a story that follows Ajoa Minta's journey from chemical engineer to starting a sustainable ice cream business here in Waterloo Region. I love For All Ice Cream. I'm just going to say, 
Yes, I've uh, partaken of it once or twice, and it is quite delicious. What's your favorite? I only ever really get vanilla. Well, that's a classic. My favorite of theirs is chocolate milk, and I also love their coconut cream pie. (laughs) Now I really, really want ice cream. Thanks a lot. And another story features Abele Mogo, who arrived for her first year of studies at Waterloo when she was just 14 years old and already a top science student in her home country of Nigeria. Originally set on going to med school, she pivoted after finishing her undergraduate degree and found her purpose in global health. We'll link to these stories in the episode's notes on SoundCloud. If the pandemic has you feeling stressed, and ice cream's just not quite cutting it... (laughs) Perhaps a visit with a registered massage therapist will ease some of the tension. Yes, please. And after upcoming changes to the university's extended health benefits take effect, you might find it more painless to arrange. The Board of Governors approved a range of changes to employee benefits, which, according to the Pension and Benefits Committee, were designed to improve the competitiveness of the university's extended health benefits. The changes include various improvements, such as you no longer need a note from your physician for services for some paramedical practitioners, such as massage therapists, dietitians, and psychologists. Also included in the changes are an increase to the annual maximum for psychology and emergency out-of-country coverage, an expansion of practitioners within some paramedical categories, and the addition of coverage for continuous glucose monitors and in vitro fertilization. New prescription drug management programs will also be implemented. Human Resources is now working with benefit plan provider Canada Life to implement the board-approved changes, which will go into effect on May 1st. The governors accepted these changes based on recommendations from the Pension and Benefits Committee, who recently hosted four public information sessions detailing the changes. If you missed the sessions, you can find a recording and the presentation materials at the link in the show notes. Now, here's what's coming up. Monday, February 15th is Family Day, a statutory holiday in Ontario, and that means the university is mostly closed, or more closed than usual. For example, all W Store, W Store Essentials, and W Print locations will be closed Monday. All orders placed online via wstore.ca and wprint.ca will be processed beginning Tuesday, February 16th. The Student Life Centre will also be closed on Monday, February 15th. Reading Week, otherwise known as the Winter Term Study Break, also kicks off next week, during which there will be no lectures or classes. The university's operations will be open more or less uh, as usual from Tuesday through Friday, which are regular working days for most university employees. The Student Life Center will be open from 7.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. for the rest of the week after the holiday Monday, and international news in the SLC will be closed. The market at UWP will be open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. from Sunday, February 13th to Sunday, February 21st to provide service to students who are in residence. The Tim Hortons and the SLC will be closed during reading week. Please note that earlier this month, President Farron and Hamdalaper sent a message to students encouraging them to avoid any travel over reading week. The president notes that it is important to continue to follow all regulations and COVID-19 safety guidance. The government strongly advises that you only travel if it is absolutely essential, and if you must travel for essential reasons, you should reduce close contact with others 10 to 14 days before traveling. Do the same before coming back to Waterloo. Please check the Friday, February 12th issue of the Daily Bulletin for the full listing of operational openings and closings. Speaking of winter, 
The Keep Learning team has launched the Winter 2021 Student Survey as of Monday, February 8th, and if you're an undergraduate or course-based master's student, there's still time to share your opinions. The survey will help faculty members and course designers understand students' experience with remote or online learning and inform the university's approach to remote teaching. All undergraduate and course-based master's students received an email via their at uwaterloo.ca account inviting them to participate in the survey. It'll take you about 15 to 20 minutes to complete it. And it will be time well spent because students who submit their survey responses have a chance to win one of 25 W Store prize packs and one of 50 $100 gift certificates. And I like those odds. The survey closes February 19th. Fabulous prizes aside, to give you an idea of how important it is to give the Keep Learning team your feedback, responses to the survey in the spring of 2020 led to the design and sharing of online learning resources to help students transition to a remote online learning environment, streamlined and updated online resources on the current student pathway, and several faculties established online teaching task forces to adjust courses that are hardest to teach remotely. Student feedback informed all of these initiatives, so get your voice heard. Visit the Winter 2021 Student Survey website for more information on the survey, and we'll put the link in our show notes. And now the interview. Anna Marinka, a student in psychology, won the latest GradFlix showcase with her short film called Mediums for Self-Help. The competition invites grad students to create short videos about their thesis topic. Here, Anna tells Pamela about her idea for supporting mental health and an unforeseen benefit of preparing her GradFlix entry. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here, or I guess it's a pleasure to be chatting with you virtually. So congratulations on winning the GradFlix competition. The short film you created is on the topic of your thesis, uh, and the film is called Mediums for Self-Help. What is your thesis exploring? So I came to academia from a background in design and working in the film industry, and Somewhere along the way, I got to try virtual reality, and I thought, this is wild. And I had this bias that space changes us, that there's something about being in a space, whether that's virtual or real, that's different than just looking at it or thinking about it. And I wanted to verify that academically, research it, dig in, get really curious about it. And now with my thesis, I have the opportunity to do that. I can take a look at how space might influence us differently from audio or video. So my thesis looks at how we update something called our mental models differently according to the medium that we are absorbing. And what a mental model is, is a kind of representation in our brains of how the world works because we need to use these mental models to predict what's going to happen. And learn when things change and we have to update those mental models. So how we do that according to the medium that we're experiencing is what my thesis looks at. So are you saying that the way we interpret things around us or the way we feel is somehow affected by whether we're listening to something, seeing something, immersed in something like virtual reality? So that is my hypothesis. I think that being in virtual reality will change the way we think more than just listening to something or watching a video. But we don't know yet. Hopefully I will learn that by the time I get the results of my experiments. Now, why do you want to look at this? 
my journey with mental health started when I was a teenager where I had some pretty serious struggles. I overcame it, but in doing so, I learned that the world is largely all in our heads. So that is a blessing and a curse. We are, and our lives are what we make of it. And I've spent, you know, the last decade or so exploring different ways of doing that. I was a designer. I studied architecture in my undergrad. I thought about how we build spaces around us. And then I moved into film and I worked in science fiction set design. And I realized my primary goal was to help people feel more optimistic about the future. So after working on Star Trek and building inspiring sci-fi futures, I thought I wanted to actually play a role in building that. And I thought virtual reality would be a really good way of doing that, but I have a lot of questions I need answers to. So here I am at Waterloo exploring that academically. Hmm. That's fascinating. You worked on Star Trek. Yeah, it was my dream job. It was great. (laughs) So then how did you wind up at Waterloo after that, if that was your dream job? I guess it was your dream job at the time. Life is funny that way. You accomplish your goals and they're wonderful. And then somehow you're ready for the next thing. So working on Star Trek was a dream come true. But eventually I wanted not to just prototype future technologies and future realities. I wanted to build them. So around that time, while I was working, I came across a book called Places of the Heart by Dr. Colin Ellard. And I just loved it. I had post-it notes all over it, highlights all over it, which was a little bit unfortunate because it was a library book. (laughs) I ended up keeping the library book. I never returned it. I emailed the notice I got from the library to Dr. Colin Allard himself. (laughs) I realized he was only an hour away from where I was living. And I said, hey, would you like to grab some coffee? and talk about how space affects the brain. And he was able to find some time to meet with me. And I talked to him about my ideas and how much I loved his book. And I guess a year later, here I am doing a master's in Colin Ellard's lab. And it's my next dream come true. Yes, Colin Ellett, of course, uh, is a former guest of this podcast. We spoke to him about COVID and uh, spaces and how our spaces or our relationship to space is affected by the pandemic. Um, what? How did he react when you sent him the the overdue notice from the library? Did you think you wanted him to pay your fines? He was alarmed. He was alarmed. He said, "I." He said, hold on, I have to call the library and make sure they get another copy. (laughs) What was it about the book, though, that you loved so much that made you say, okay, I thought I had my dream job. Now I want to do something else. Reading about the kind of research coming out of this lab and Colin's book, Places of the Heart, really captured my attention because I realized that there is so much to discover and even possibly leverage. So this is a phrase that I like to think of as space hacks where you can change your environment for a particular outcome. And I think we all do this to some extent. Let's say you have a deadline coming up, so you go to a cafe so that you can really get into the headspace of getting it done. Or you have a very serious meeting, so you go to the boardroom so that you can limit your distractions and really get onto the agenda. I think we all are aware of the subtle ways in which we do this, but virtual reality presents this opportunity to do that for free 
in, in a really scalable way where, you know, thousands of people can access a very specific space for very specific aims. And I'd like to investigate that. Now, VR is in a really interesting stage of pioneering. To be fair, VR has been around for many decades now, but mm -hmm. with the advent of consumer VR being as accessible as it now is, everybody from designers to developers to entrepreneurs are trying to figure out what situations weren't using VR and which ones don't. I have a lot of faith in it. I go into VR almost every day, but it's really about oh. finding your niche. It's sort of like reading. You know, some people say they don't like reading. I think if you don't like reading, it's because you haven't found the right genre of books for you. Someone's been forcing you to read mystery novels, but what you really want to read is fiction business novels. That's a, a fit problem. And you created this short animated film. I mean, short, not like Oscar animated short, like this is a minute long. We'll put a link to it in our notes for our episode. But um, for those who haven't seen it yet, can you describe what it looks like? So my video starts off with a lone sketch figure approaching a big brick wall. And this is my visual metaphor for how we are constantly facing problems in life. And how we face those problems is really important to our mental health. Now, this sketch figure tries to get over the brick wall and thinks back to other times that that brick wall has been there. And you see a little thought bubble appear above the sketch figure with the image of a ladder and the sequence of climbing over the wall on that ladder. And this is how I describe something that we call mental models, which is our ability to think of how we've overcome things before when we're predicting how we can face a problem. Mm. or predict the outcome of a solution. So my thesis will be looking at how the medium that we interact with, and by medium I mean audio, like a podcast, video, like watching a YouTube video, or spatial, like participating in some kind of virtual reality exercise, might impact the way that we think about our past experiences when we face a new problem. Hmm. So if I could never do the high jump in school <laughs> and I know that I'll, I've never been able to get over a certain level, does that mean that the next time I'm faced with that particular task, I'm going to remember that I had failed and that is going to impact me? We have different variants of that problem every day. I think about maybe, for example, this interview. Let's say I did an interview in the past that I really didn't choose my words carefully. I rambled. I did poorly. The next time I do an interview, I think of how I failed in the past and I maybe don't want to even try this time, but we could possibly use some kind of intervening media to change our self-confidence about that. Hmm. Whether that's listening to a, an audio description that's going to bump up our self-confidence or whether that's going into virtual reality and doing a special exercise. Let's uh, see if we can listen to a little bit of it. Life is full of problems and our capacity to face them is intimately tied to our mental health. So how do we do that? When we solve a problem, we draw from our past experiences and think of how we've overcome such obstacles before. These memories form our mental models and we reference them to make predictions about the outcomes of our actions. Those predictions aren't always correct. When we experience errors, we update our mental models. Sometimes this process is hard, 
Sometimes we get help, and other times we're on our own. My research compares how input from different mediums affects mental model updating, specifically for self-help purposes. Why did you pick that particular imagery? When I was in design school, I had an amazing professor, Daniel Rohr, who really believed that drawing with a pencil is an extension of the brain and a real tool for thinking. So when I was sitting down to make this video, I, I had to draw something. I had to do that to figure out what my research meant to me. And in doing so, I created these, these drawings, these emblems that I could then use to communicate my drawing to somebody else or to many people. And the flip side of that is this hand-drawn look really gives it a human touch compared mm -hmm. to maybe using some kind of graphic clip art animation, which while it looks very polished and professional, doesn't necessarily convey the really human nature of my research and my motivation behind this. It does look like it's drawn with a pencil, just as if you're sitting down and trying to, you know, brainstorm. Yeah. Ideally, I would want the video to feel like you and I are sitting across a table and I pull out a notepad and pencil and I just describe it all to you. How did you actually do the animation? So originally I drew it on my Remarkable 2 tablet, which is much lesser known. It's far less capable than an iPad. It doesn't have any color capability, but it feels a lot like paper and pencil, which was really important to me. Then I imported that into Adobe Illustrator in order to make a couple of tweaks. And from there, I brought it into Adobe Premiere, where I stitched together all of the frames. It was very time-consuming. There are probably faster ways of doing it, especially if you have an iPad. But I really deeply enjoyed myself. It was a lot of fun to get to do a creative task in the midst of the reading and writing my master's mostly entails. How did you find out about the competition? When I started my master's here at Waterloo and got my own University of Waterloo email, I was shocked at how many emails I received. <laughs> shocked. We really try to keep them down. I assure you, I'm not allowed to email students, really. Not like mass emails. Uh, getting on top of my emails now as a grad student is an ongoing challenge. I've gotten a little bit better at it. So that being said, I am really relieved that I managed to catch the emails about the GradFix comp competition. And as someone who enjoys creative projects, I thought this would be a really good opportunity not only to communicate my research and get more attention and awareness for it, but also for me to refine my own ideas because that is an important step for anybody in a difficult project. For me, the cognitive exercise of sitting down and communicating very simply and very clearly what I'm interested in in my thesis and what my goals are was priceless that was always something that I wanted to do, but this gave me a real excuse to do that. And not only to do that for myself, but to put it down on paper. Now I can use this, this link for the YouTube video that was posted with the GradFlix submissions. I can use that link everywhere. So I've got a profile oh. for myself in the Urban Realities Lab, and I linked to my YouTube video there. I put it on my LinkedIn. I shared it on Instagram. I shared it on Twitter. <laughs> Well done. Wonderful. So much easier than attempting to communicate my research verbally. 
In the film, you say your goal is to increase mental health services for everyone. How do you hope to achieve this lofty goal? So I see a great shift happening slowly but surely in the way that we address mental health. That shift is really important to me. That comes in forms of reducing the stigma and increasing access to resources. So I'm working on using technologies to improve our practices at the everyday level, whether we call that self-help or self-care. So if you were to visualize the outcome of this work, what would it be? So I came to Waterloo in part because of the incredible entrepreneurship resources here. My ultimate outcome would be to take what I learned in my research and build that into a startup so that we can work on a product that increases access to these kinds of exercises to build self-confidence and improve mental health. Excellent. And what would it look like? Well, my research will inform that. So I want to be open to the unexpected. I want my experiments to prove me wrong if that's the case. But right now, my hypothesis is that virtual reality holds a tremendous amount of potential for changing the way that we think. So this product would look like a space that you could access anytime, anywhere with your headset. And when you went there, you would have access to a number of interactions for rewiring your thoughts and feelings. There are so many possibilities for how you could do that in virtual reality. And a suite of those experiences is what I hope to offer. Sounds amazing and innovative, which is what we do here. It's a very special place, Waterloo. Is there anything else you'd like to add or anything else you would like people to know? I want to encourage grad students to participate in GradFlix. It was an incredible experience for me. I feel extremely fortunate to have won, but regardless, it's really worthwhile. It really helped me clarify my research and get it out there. Well, I'm glad you did, and uh, I'm glad that you joined me here today. So, Anna, thank you so much for being here, and best of luck to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure chatting, and you have a wonderful day. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. You can find all of our past shows and helpful links on SoundCloud.com. To ensure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Beyond the Bulletin podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and recommend us to your colleagues and Waterloo alumni. Remember to do your part to limit the spread of COVID-19 in our community. You can get in touch with us via email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. Have a great family day long weekend. And as always, thanks for listening as we went beyond the bulletin. Oh, I just saw a picture of my daughter doing uh, VR. Maybe I'll find that and send it to you. It's on my my main computer screen. does like a screensaver. And there she is in her little helmet and and controllers. So funny. (laughs)